church. It's good to be with y'all today and good to be up here and it's good to be in the house of God. I can say because before I was here I was writing a, uh, a research paper on the economics of the United States in 2001. And so I can tell you it was not very fun, but I do consider uh, uh, sharing the gospel and sharing God's word uh, as something I do enjoy and something I love and uh, something I'm very happy to be here doing today. And so if you will with me, turn with me uh, with your copy of God's Word uh, to Paul's letter of, uh, to the Romans. I'll be starting in the 12th chapter. Now, I've, been, I've gotten to study in this, in this section for a little while, and I can see that, that Paul was... Uh, in this section of Scripture, you see four uh, characteristics that we're going to be going over uh, tonight. And I've gotten to share a few, a, f- a little bit of this with, uh, with the BCM. I got to preach uh, at the BCM back a few weeks ago. And, and uh, I was studying over these, these four characteristics, or these four foundations, I like to call, uh, that Paul points out here. And uh, I got to share with it a little bit with them. And so tonight, uh, today I'm going to share... Uh, a little more with you. I'm going to share what, what God has showed me uh, through studying uh, and through reading of, of the Scripture. And so if you will, uh, join me in reading uh, in the first verse of chapter 12 of Romans. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one uh, one member one of another. Verse 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given unto us, whether prophecy let us prophesy, or according uh, to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministry, uh, or, or ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, and he that ruleth with vigilance. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, God, we ask, Father, for, for your blessing, Lord, on the reading of your word. Lord, we thank you... Uh, for providing such a wonderful place, God, that we're able to gather in Your name, Lord, and search Your Word. Search for the truth that is within Your Word. Father, I just pray, God, that You will bless me, that, God, You will bring back to my remembrance um, my study. Lord, I pray that, Father, that it won't even be me speaking, Lord, it will be You through me. That, God, You will have me in Your hand as an instrument. God, I pray, Father, that... that uh, this service is completely honoring to you. 
We ask all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. So the first thing we see here as we uh, go through this section of Scripture, we can point out four, uh, four different characteristics. And I'm going to share, with them, uh, share all four of them with you today. But the first one that, we, we, that pops out to me uh, that Paul is, is talking about here, he, he first he, he says, I beseech you, brethren. He kind of gets their attention. He says, By the mercies of God that ye present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And if you, think, if you sit there and think on that, for just a little while, you, you suddenly realize of what a big calling that is. Of, of what a big uh, uh, command that is from Paul. He tells us to be holy and acceptable unto God. Now, I know myself, and you know yourself, and you know how wretched and how sinful and how deceitful and how uh, sinful you can be. Because I know how sinful and deceitful and wretched I can be. And I know that how hard it's going to be for me uh, to be holy and completely pleasing to God. And you may ask, I'm getting some feedback, um, uh, you may ask yourself, how am I, a human being who's messed up over and over and over and over again, going to be completely satisfying to God, be completely uh, uh, according, live my life according to God's Word. The first thing that we have to realize is when we're going to worship God or when we're going to do something for God or when we're going to be in a ministry, we have to do it God's way. Over and over and over again through history, we see that man is always trying to please God, but he is doing it man's way. To give a few examples Let's just go back to the very beginning. We've been, we've been uh, on Wednesday nights, we've been in the book of Genesis, and we've been talking about the, the beginning a lot. And we see that the very first sin that was committed was a sin of someone who was trying to be more like God. If you, if you remember back when, uh, when Eve was in the garden, the, the, the serpent says to her, you, will, you won't surely die, but you'll be more like God. You will gain wisdom like that God has. You will be more like God. And to Eve, she's sitting there thinking, you know what? It's good to be like God. It's good to be like God. But you see, God had already set a plan and He said, if you, you are going to be like me this way, and not this way. You will not gain knowledge this way, but you will follow my rules and you will follow my commands and that is how you will be more like me. But Eve was sitting there thinking to herself, I want to be like God. And so she went on her own way to be more like God. Another example is uh, when we remember when, when Moses went up on the mount and he left Israel down and uh, when he came back, they were worshiping the calf. Now to them, they, were, they thought it was a suitable, uh, a suitable way to worship God. We can see that, w that it was not. Um, uh, probably the most accurate uh, picture that we get of a, someone trying to serve God their own way is Cain and Abel. Now if we remember Cain, uh, Cain was in the, uh, was in the garden. Or well, he worked. He wasn't in the Garden of Eden, but he worked in the field, and he and he uh, created vegetables and arose that raised vegetables. And then uh, uh, Abel, he worked in the field with the sheep. 
And both were um, asked to sacrifice to God. And Cain said, well, I, why aren't my vegetables good enough? Why isn't my, my fruit of the field good enough? Why is it I have to go to my brother uh, to ask for a sacrifice? Cain took it upon himself to worship God his own way. He didn't take it upon himself to worship God God's way. And so that's why we see that, that, that Cain failed at worshiping God. Um, uh, and you see that a, a characteristic as you read throughout the Bible that there are there is a few different things that you're going to have to do to uh, to do thing do things God's way. The first one is our bad relationships. We have bad relationships in our lives, and when I as as a young Christian when I uh, was first saved, I, I'm telling you that uh, bad relationships had me by the throat. I was trying to please God, and I was trying to do things for God and, and be a good little Christian boy, but I had all the wrong relationships. I had all the wrong influences. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You see, as a Christian, I don't want to have non-Christian influences. As a Christian, I don't want to be in non-Christian environments. As a Christian, I don't want to do anything that hinders me or, or places me in, a, in a, a, a situation to where I could fail or ruin my testimony. I want, as a Christian, I want, to be, I want to be around Christians. As a Christian, I want to be in a Christian environment. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What communion hath light with darkness? If you are a child of new light, it is your job to stay in those of like of light also. It is your job. It is, it is your job to be built up in a, in a place where there are people uh, of the same faith. Do not be unequally yoked uh, together with unbelievers. You see, as a Christian, we can sometimes flirt with non-Christian things. We can watch television. We were talking about that in Sunday school this morning. Watching TV shows we shouldn't be watching. At first, it, it's not a very big deal. We, we just kind of watch it and then think, you know, well... It's just a TV show. What, what harm is it going to do? But like we, we talked about in Sunday school, it, our kids see it. Me and Allie don't have kids yet, praise the Lord. But, <laughs> but, um, but making a relation here, our kids see it. Or we have an influence. People come over and they say, well, Clay, uh, Clay's a Christian, but it must be okay for Christians to watch this kind of show. Or it must be okay for Christians to talk like this. If you allow yourself to be in a non-Christian environment, people who are watching you and wanting to be a Christian are going to think that it's okay to be in a non-Christian environment and do things that Christians are not supposed to do. The second thing that you need to do is give up your desire uh, to sin. <clears throat> James 4, 7-8 through 8 says, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God, and He will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. 
to give up your desire to sin, it starts out with what you spend your time doing the most. What you spend your time doing the most. Do you spend most of your time doing things that please God? That are pleasing God? That are appealing to God? Uh, that glorify God? Uh, as some kind of ministry or some kind of uh, something that is obviously God-honoring? Or do you spend your time doing secular things? Uh, doing things that please the flesh? Doing things uh, that might necessarily not look bad on the outside, but if they're coming in the way of, of worshiping God, then it's sin. Who would have ever thought that uh, spending time with your family uh, could be sin because it's coming in, uh, coming between you and God? Who would have ever thought that, uh, that going and watching a, a, a football game or a basketball game could be sin? It is sin when you put it before, before worshiping God. If you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to go watch... Uh, whatever game's on on Sunday, instead of come to church and worship God and give your time to God, it becomes sin. Because you're saying that whatever that is that you're watching is more important in your life than God. And it becomes sin. It starts with your time. Ask yourself, what are you doing with your time if I'm going to give up my desire to sin? Um, uh, Romans 10.17 says, For faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of God. If we are spending our time in the Word, that desire to sin, will, I mean, we will gain in faith. And if we have faith in this, we'll heart our desire to sin. Or it happens for me, is when I'm in the Word is when I'm in the Word, is when I'm reading God's Word and I'm feeding upon it, and man, I, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, this is amazing because me and God are just communicating. My desire to sin, I don't even have a desire to sin. I don't have a desire to sin because I'm so wrapped up in God's Word. It starts with your time. If you spend your time in God's Word, your desire to sin will melt away like nothing. Um, uh, a few of you know uh, I work at a community state bank. And I work with a few people um, uh, uh, who they say they're Christians, but they're not. That's just how. That's what it comes down to: is they have no fellowship with Christ. They don't know who Christ is, but they have claimed the name of a Christian. And uh, the uh, I was sitting there reading one day, and that's what I do oftentimes. Uh, Michelle can testify. I'll have my Bible uh, out, and I'll, I'm reading. And uh, I was reading there one day, and I was reading through Timothy. And someone came up behind me, one of my coworkers, and they said, Clay, why are you always reading? And I said, they said, do you, do you preach every Sunday? I said, he said, what's the deal? And I said, no, I, I don't preach every Sunday. I, I do preach a lot, but um, it's not because I preach every Sunday that I read a lot. It's because I love the Lord. And I love being in His Word, and I love being in His presence. And that person kind of shrugged and I said, well, I don't understand the Bible. I, 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 I've tried to read it over and over and over again and I just can't understand. It doesn't make sense to me and I, I can't make any sense of it. But Matthew 7, 7 says, if ye, shall seek, if ye shall ask, it shall be given. If ye shall seek, ye shall find. And if ye shall knock, it shall be open unto you. And if you will sit there and tell yourself that I've read the Bible over and over and over again, and I can't understand it, I can't make any sense of it, 
it doesn't apply to me, you're telling yourself a lie. You're telling yourself a lie because God's Word says, if you will seek God, you will find Him. That if you read God's Word, He will speak to you. That if you dig in and devote yourself to God, He will return and he, or he will return to you that time that you think you're sitting there wasting because you can't understand uh, what this is saying. Man, He will get into your life and He will change you from the inside out. Because the Word of God is living. The Word of God is wonderful. And if you spend your time in the Word of God, you will become more like God. And that desire to sin will fade away. The third thing that we need to... Uh, need to do is we need to give up the works of the flesh. Galatians 5.19-21 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variances, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, uh, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And of this which I tell you before, as I have told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now when Paul wrote this, he was, he was writing to the, the church in Galatia. And he was, <laughs> he was saying that these things are manifest. And these are, they're great. And they're many. And you need to, at the time, Galatia was, the church there was, was turning away from God. He, he calls them fools in that book because he, uh, they at first, he says, How quickly you have turned from your first love. You see, they had, and we were reading it again in Sunday school. Isn't that wonderful? We uh, were reading in Sunday school and about, about how they had God. It said they knew God and then they turned away. And I'm sitting there, when I first read that verse, I was thinking, man, how, how great a faith they should have had. I mean, this was a church who had received letters from the Apostle Paul. They lived in the time where they got to see, uh, I'm sure many of these people or their parents got to see Christ. What great faith they should have had. And I was sitting there thinking that, and I was like, this, how? I mean, Paul was talking to them. And then I sat there and thought to myself, you know, I bet there is a lot of people who say what great faith America should have. They have such marvelous freedoms. They have such marvelous freedoms. They have the freedom to commune together into a place. And they can build up these wonderful buildings to worship God. And they can gather together and sing wonderful praises to God. I bet a lot of people that don't have that privilege are saying, man, I bet America has faith. I bet well, what great faith America should have because God has blessed them so abundantly that they don't have to worry about them getting their heads chopped off if they believe in Christianity or not. What great faith America should have because of the freedoms and the privileges that we have to gather together in a place so wonderful as this. And to sing praise. And without fear, open our word. And to seek out the truth that God has left for us. And to be without fear about, of our own lives when we do so. 
what great faith we should have because we are blessed with such privilege. The fourth thing uh, is we need to give up our old nature. Give up our old nature. Uh, Again, when Paul was writing to uh, the Galatians, uh, in the second chapter, verse 20, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I live now in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Did we catch that? I want to read it again. It says, I'm I, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He's saying that every, everything that I do, I am going to consider Christ in first. Every breath I take, every step that I take, every decision that I make, I am going to say, what does Christ want in me? How is He going to use this? Every ministry opportunity that I take, I am going to say, or he, Paul was saying, I'm going to glorify Christ. He's, he says, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but Christ liveth in me. He's saying that I have died, the old man is off, I have taken on the new image that is Christ, and I no longer get to live my life, but Christ gets to live it because I have gave my life because He gave His life for me. He, he was... He was crying out to the Galatians trying to show them uh, how wonderful it is to live for God. How wonderful it is to be crucified with Christ because because they, they had their mind on something else. And a lot of times we can, we can be in the same predicament. I've, I've caught myself in the same predicament. I will have my mind on something else. I will say, you know what, I want to do this with my life. I want, to, I want to make this much money. I want to live in this big of a house. I want, to, uh, I want to do these things while I'm living. But one thing that I have figured out, that it is hard, uh, in fact impossible, to have your hands on the things of this world when they're nailed to the cross with Christ. You cannot, as a Christian, be entangled in the things of this world. You cannot have your hands on the things of this world when your hands are nailed to the cross with Christ. It is impossible for a Christian to say, you know what, I've got my hands on the wheel and I'm going to drive my life the way I want it. Because when you are a Christian, you are letting Christ lead your life. You are saying from here on out, Lord, you take my life. You take my life and you guide me. On the second foundation, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may be prove what is good and what is acceptable, the will of God. So we might ask, what, uh, who is it that, uh, that we're able to be transformed uh, that our minds are being able to be transformed. And the answer, uh, first, to be conformed is, is not to change inwardly at all. The definition of being conformed is to match the shape. He's saying don't be conformed. Don't match the shape of Christ. Don't look like a Christian. Don't play the part of a Christian. He's saying be transformed. Don't look like the new image, but be the new image. 
Don't be the new, don't, don't look like the new life, but, but, or don't look like the new life, but be the new life. Like I said earlier, I, I work at a community state bank. A lot of times we will have, uh, uh, in the past month actually, we have had a surplus of, of counterfeit bills come through. And uh, one thing about counterfeit bills is, man, they make, some of them make really good, I mean, they look just like it. They look just like the real deal. It's counterfeit, though. It's not real. It just looks like it. You see, there, there's, to be conformed is to look just like a Christian. And Paul was saying, do not be conformed. Do not look just like a Christian. Do not, do not cross all your T's and, and dot all your I's and come to church every Sunday and every Wednesday night and sit in a pew and, and look just like you're saved and look just like you're heading to heaven. But he's saying, come and give your life. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. Uh, moving on uh, to the third, or well, to our, yes, our third uh, foundation. It says here, uh, hold on, I didn't write down my third foundation. <laughs> no, I found it. Here we go. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dwelt to every man a measure of faith. We see Paul strike out here. And you may hear the, the saying, I was thinking about this earlier today, you may, think, you may have heard the saying, there is no I in team, but there is no I in church either. When you come to this place, you cannot think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. When you get up here on this stage and you may sing a special, you've got to realize that it is not about you. When you get up here and you tell your testimony or, or, uh, or, or we have a guest speaker, we have to realize that it is not about them. Or it is not about the one that's up here singing their heart out. It's not about the one that's up here um, uh, praising God. It's about the God that we're praising. It's about God who has put this place together for us. And uh, moving on to our, to our fourth and final foundation, it, it, Paul goes on in the, the last part of that Scripture, and he goes off and he names a few things about being the body of Christ. To be a body, we have to have all, all the members. To be a church, we have to have all of our members together. To be a church that is pleasing to God, we have to be like a well-oiled machine. There is no room uh, for selfishness. There is no room uh, for someone who's saying, you know what, this is about me. There is no room uh, for sinfulness. In the church, we're here to be a working body that glorifies Christ, that gives themselves for Christ over and over and over again, who chooses to be a family over and over and over again, who chooses to come to this place and worship God over and over and over again. What Paul was saying here is, if we're wanting to be a church, there's no such thing as a lazy Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian who was made just to come and warm our pew. There is a place for you in this church. There is a place for you to start working for Christ. 
There is a place for you. I don't know where it may be, but I'm sure there is a place for you. You get with a committee member, you get with, with Brother Jim or Brother Damon, and they will put you in a place that needs you. If, you are, if, you're called, if you can sing and God is leading you to sing, get up here and sing. If you can teach and, God, and if God is calling you to teach, then you say, you know what, God, I'm going to surrender to this call to teach and I'm going to make it known that I can teach and I'm going to teach to glorify you. If you love kids and God is calling you to work with kids, man, work with kids if it glorifies God. Paul was creating these four foundations to help the church. To help the church become more what, what, uh, what Christ wants it to be, his bride. And uh, as, as a young Christian, uh, that's what I would love to see the church be. And that's, here at Southside, I believe that uh, we're probably closer, closer than the last one I was at. And I enjoy that. I love seeing that in this church. I love seeing members who will work in this church countless hours and will not, look at, will not ask for a slap on the back or a good job. They're here over and over and over again. And I just, uh, I love that. I love that. And uh, I'm going to pray real quick and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, God, we thank You for this day. Lord, we thank You for the truth in Your Word. Father, we just ask, God, that You will uh, be with every member, Father. That, Lord, You will guide them in their study. That, Father, when they, uh, when they seek You in Your Word, Lord, that they will be engaged. Father, that You will, you will speak to them. Uh, Father, that they can hear Your still, small voice. That, Lord, they can know that, Father, if You're calling them to teach, God, that give them the courage to say, God is calling me to teach. Father, if, if you have a place for them in this church, God, I, I pray that, that, Lord, you'll make it known. Father, I, I pray, God, as we go throughout our weeks, Lord, that, you will, uh, that you'll be with us and keep us safe and bring us back to this place. Lord, we love you and we praise you, and it's in Christ's name. Amen.